Hi, welcome to episode five of the Section Hiking, the Appalachian Trail podcast. I'm John Eskelson. I'm your host, and uh, this is going to be probably a quick one today. Um, but the title of this episode is "Okay, Use Guys, Let's Keep It Clean: Personal Hygiene on the Trail." We are sponsored today by the Committee to Restore America's National Parks. This is an advocacy group for everyday people who want to convince Congress to eliminate the $12 billion maintenance backlog in our national parks. Please go to their website and support them at www.RestoreAmericasNationalParks.org. I've been fiddling around with the software program I use for this podcast to see if I can incorporate music or some sort of introductory music that I like. But I haven't quite found it yet, so we're going to keep working on that. This week, uh, the Senate was busy debating rules for impeachment with the Chief Justice admonishing both sides regarding civility, apparently at the behest of Senator Collins. But while that was all happening at work, my mind was thinking about my dad's three rules for hiking um, that he, I don't want to use the word beaten to us because that's a little more violent than I intend, but that he frequently uh, admonished us about when I was younger. His rules were that you got to stay dry, be well fed, and stay warm. Now, growing up and hiking and backpacking in the Pacific Northwest often meant that we were wet and cold, but he always made sure that we were well fed, and we always strove to stay dry and warm. What I don't understand was the magic that he was able to perform to help us minimize those things that cause us to be wet and cold. Um, we frequently would change out of our wet clothes once we were done hiking for our camp clothes. They were often much warmer. And I don't know how he did it. He must have carried 10 pounds worth of tarps hidden in his pack because more than once did it seem like we had an entire city block's worth of tarps covering our campsite when it was just torrential downpours. It's still pretty amazing and seems like magic, mostly because I don't know how he pulled it off. The sum of all he, these efforts uh, turned what could have been some type 3 fun experiences into some solid type 2 or even the occasional type 1 outing. One of the things I don't ever really remember focusing on is personal hygiene. I mean, my parents, and especially my dad, like to keep camp really spick and span, everything put away in its right place. And occasionally we'd brush our teeth but I don't ever remembering taking the time to clean myself. I do remember after my first 50 miler, when we were coming home um, from the North Cascades, we descended on mass at a McDonald's along I-5. As we got off the road, uh, got off Route 2, coming out of the mountains. And then obviously the first thing we did was all hit the bathroom, using real toilets for the first time in a week, and then washing up. Uh, we left the toilet the the whole washroom in a disgusting uh, mess afterwards in retrospect and I feel bad for the employees who had to clean up that mess but as I've grown older I've taken to the idea that's important to, to keep hygiene more seriously uh, in mind when backpacking and the and camping so in preparation for this episode I wandered into the backpacking light forums and reviewed a number of people people's comments uh, who volunteer their personal habits when they're on the trail. Most of these are, are years old and maybe out of date, 
But also, I mean, you also have a selection bias in which the kind of people who are willing to comment are those who feel co- typically are the kind of people who feel confident about what they do. And, and that's correct. So, you know, we'll, we, we could do a, su- a study and find out what people think now about hygiene habits, you know, several, nearly a decade later after some of these posts. But there's a, there was a strong current of it doesn't matter to get dirty and be happy about it within this group. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's still the same. And I don't really agree with this sentiment. To me, it's important to keep some level of hygiene so that you know one doesn't get sick because of poor practices with food or at the toilet or with untreated water and the like. I've learned a lot about taking care of my feet when they're macerated as well. One of the benefits of um, you know, kind of figuring out and rethinking about what it takes to go backpacking um, along something like the Appalachian Trail, even as just a section hike as a middle-aged dude, is that I get to kind of take time to figure out how not to be sick or injured because the likelihood, frankly, for me at, in my mid-40s is much higher than when I was you know, younger. I don't believe that you need to break the bank or carry 10 pounds of stuff in order to maintain some basic level of cleanliness on the trail. Um, but I can't, you know, and while I can not shower for about for 10 days, I, I do also think it's important to find a way to keep clean. Last summer when I was hiking in the Adirondacks, I stank by the end, especially my shirt and my socks. I even had, I had two pairs of socks um, that I brought and both of them were just terribly gross. Even worse, because of the trail quality and all the rain, I ended up with wet feet and a lot of the time. And my shoes, which ostensibly were waterproof, and I knew that this was the case, um, once they got wet and things got wet inside because it was just so wet on the trail, um, they, they basically stayed wet, which is one of the biggest criticisms of waterproof shoes. Um, and it was awful. Um, I'm not concerned about the stinkiness per se. I will admit that uh, the last night I had to store my shirt in a different location because, oh my gosh, it smelled so bad. But here's what I'm talking about. I don't want to get sick and injured just because I'm being gross. So, you know, for a lot of these, po- for, the, for these podcasts, I've been a little more tentative, a little less definitive, but th- on this one, I'm pretty confident that I know what it is I think is right and what is wrong. And uh, I know that other people disagree with this, but um, you know, I'm just gonna lay out what I think the right ways are. I think the first most important things to do on the trail is to wash your hands on a regular basis. Definitely after one uses the bathroom and then definitely before one prepares food. Use either a small bit of soap and lather up, especially, you know, after going back to the, after uh, pooping. Um, I read an article back in two, from 2004 when Ryan Jordan at Backpacking Light reviewed a number of studies and cited that the, one of the biggest causes of illness in the backcountry was not washing hands or properly sanitizing cooking gear. It really is that basic. Uh, if, if, Someone doesn't like to use soap, they can use Purell or an alcohol-based cleanser. One of the challenges with that is that the hands, if, if done exclusively, um, one's hands can get chapped because it takes out all the oils as well. 
Um, there are ways around it, and we'll talk about that in a second. The second big thing I, I think is, is critical is to take care of one's teeth. Um, there's a lot of ways to keep one, uh, my teeth in good condition by brushing them both morning and night. I also believe in flossing, even on the trail. Floss is really, really lightweight, and it will keep gum strong. I, I do recognize the idea of only take what you need, and I really think, for me, maintaining gum health is, is good. Of course, one would have to pack out uh, floss, and uh, you know, one's able to also bring a travel-sized toothpaste container. Um, some people like to use baking soda or another type of cleanser on the trail. The third thing I'm a big believer in doing is uh, doing some sort of body cleanse every day, even if it's just a, a brief wipe down with a wet, wet piece of cloth or a bandana of your face, hands, pits, and privates. And there's two reasons why I really think this. First, uh, maybe it's my uh, based on my time in the Army doing some training, but uh, monkey butt is real and it's really gross. I know I can avoid it by keeping different parts of me at least wiped down, if not fully scrubbed. Um, and there are various wipes that work with different levels of efficiency. And there's a variety of soaps that one can bring along as well. So even if it's something like a bandana and a little with a little touch of soap, you can you know you can get yourself make clean out the monkey butt and keep yourself squared away. Second, as mentioned in the last podcast, I really dislike ticks. Um, and I think they really dislike me. I think there's a mutual agreement there. And I don't really want them on my body, ever. So I want to check myself out and make sure I don't have any, especially since I'll be hiking in prime tick season, and they seem to find me or vice versa. REI and other outdoor stores sell a variety of biodegradable camp suds type stuff. And there's, you know, you can look up and, and research and determine what works for you and what is uh, biodegradable sufficiently or not. Fourth, wash what you eat with and eat out of. This may be self-evident to most people, but food bacteria doesn't get better with age. In reality, it's just really, really gross and can lead to salmonella poisoning, no matter how processed your food is. It's just gross. Um, in terms of what to wash with, Sea uh, to Summit has some highly regarded stuff um, there's like, when I was a kid, there was like very little, um, Camp Suds, I think was the brand and Coleman had a brand, but now today there's like 13 or 14 different types of soaps, all with various levels of biodegradability and organicness to it. What I like to use, um, what I like to use on my cooking pots, what I look to, like to use myself is, uh, Dr. Bronner's Peppermint Castile Soap. I'd heard about it for years, but it really wasn't until my various experiences uh, this past year um, back in the States, really backpacking and camping for the first time in a couple of different settings that I really got to use it just full on. And it was great. It would take the funk out of my feet when they got smelly. Um, I brushed my teeth with it. And while you're literally washing your mouth out with soap, it's organic, cuts through the crud in your mouth. It's really concentrated as well, so it only takes a couple drops to really get things going and get things clean, so it doesn't hate 
It doesn't have to take a whole lot of soap to do with, so you don't have to take a ton. Um, there, are other, there are other uses for it, and there's other soaps out there if you don't like it. It's just the kind I like, and I've put it in the show notes. Um, in Germany, they also had these little pieces of uh, kind of dehydrated soap. Um, it's kind of like those Listerment or those Listerine breath strips in one of those little containers where you flip open the lid and pull out a breath strip and pop it in your mouth. Well, you could do that only with soap as well. And it's a little kind of paper and you kind of put it in your hand and you put some water with it and you can lather up and you could do a full lather. Um, they worked great too. All I'm saying is that, that with technology and with science and with a little bit of thought, we are able to keep ourselves clean so that we don't get sick on the trail or, or we're not limited because we decided to eat poop and fecal matter while we're going. So here's what I will probably pack on my upcoming expedition. I think this is how I'm going to approach it. I don't know for sure. Um, I'm going to have to test it out on a shakedown or two. Um, first, I'm going to take a small travel-sized Purell cleaner. Second, you know, and with, with Purell, do some alcohol base because sometimes all you need is a little squirt, wipe off your hands, and then you're good. Second, I'm going to bring a small container of Dr. Bronner's Peppermint Castile Soap in a small dropper bottle. A little bit goes a long way. Third, I'm going to bring a small travel-sized toothbrush um, and some floss. And then I've been debating about toilet paper. We'll get into toilets in a minute, but I'm debating about what kind of toilet paper-like items I'll be bringing. I'll update you later as we talk more about gear that I'm actually gonna bring um, on a future episode, but it won't be much. It's gonna be a little bit, and I'm gonna have to practice on a variety of things. And then finally, I'm gonna bring a bandana or something similar to it so I can wipe my body down and do my nightly tick check. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to take full-on showers, particularly if I'm only out for 10 days, but I am going to do something that's going to try to keep me clean. All right, let's get back to the show and talk about poop. Andrew Skirka has a bunch of videos related to pooping, pooping in the backwoods and even how to do it with or without um, any toilet paper. And there's also other people out there that have uh, articles about uh, going to the bathroom in the backwoods. And one of the articles I read, oh, I can't find it at the moment, but uh, it's by a gentleman who works kind of in an outward bound type type of uh, environment and basically teaches his students how to poop in the woods without toilet paper on the first day. And then they go out for 30 days and they don't utilize any toilet paper for that whole 30 days. And says, you know, basically human beings for millennia have learned to uh, get rid of its get, get rid of our waste without using toilet paper until recently, and there's a lot of natural ways we can do it, and so we need to be mindful of that. And so, whether you look at Skirka or just Google search how to poop in the woods and look up some of these other articles, um, there's a lot of good information out there, and I've added a link in the show notes to Skirka's video, which is really good. But here are the basic guidelines I. I'd encourage everyone to use for relieving oneself in the woods. One, get about 200 feet away from a water source. 
you don't want to taint water with your fecal matter. Um, that's just gross. Don't do it. Second, find a place that, you know, preferably has softer ground to dig. And dig a small hole that's about eight inches deep and four inches in di diameter. It doesn't have to be exact. It has to. It can be approximate. Um, I would also note um, one of the few items I've bought recently that I think is just wonderful is uh, a trowel. You're going to want some sort of digging implement. Um, it's called the Deuce. It's considered ultra light. It's a really. I think it's titanium. It might be. Um, a really hardy aluminum, but it's just a really light and portable trowel, and it really does a good job digging digging holes. Um, part three, squat down and do your business in the hole. And then here's where uh, most Americans get squeamish um, in part four. You don't necessarily need toilet paper. There's different items that you can use to wipe um, that will get your nether regions clean without, without using paper. For instance, uh, you can use snow if you're in a snow area. Snow is a great thing to use. Um, there's a, a weed or a plant called woolly lamb's ear. Um, there's some softer kind of pine cones out there, leaves, you know, grass, uh, smooth river rock kind of things. I'm not exactly sure what kind of vegetation we're going to have on the Appalachian Trail, um, but, you know, we'll find some. And then you can even create a bidet of sorts. Uh, Skirka describes one way where you pour down your backside. Um, you know, another way is to kind of reach in front um, with your left hand, uh, wiping with your hands while you're pouring water down your left arm. And it kind of like the water flows down your left arm into your hand as you're, as you're cleaning those parts. Um, but whether you use, you know, primarily your hands or you use... Um, another, another natural item, there's several things in which one can wipe to maintain uh, cleanliness in those regions. Uh, and then fifth, you wash the heck out of your hands and get them clean. I'd also like to make another note here that there are um, some people who swear by gold bombs powder or baking soda or something to, you know, eradicate any chafing or um, you know, keep things dry down in one's nethers. That also uh, can help depending on your skin and, and how, uh, how ready you are to handle that kind of stuff. Um, and then before we get off this topic, I have one additional special note. Ensure that you're utilizing natural substances to wipe your bum with and that you don't wipe with poison ivy. This has never happened to me, but a few years ago, one of my good friends the kind of guy who comes up with creative marathons to run like uh, a long time ago, it's probably about 20 years ago now, he and his brothers mapped out a marathon in the middle of Death Valley, California on what was historically the hottest day of the year, and then they ran it. They all wore white clothes to keep it reflective, had support. I can't remember whether they were successful or not. Um, they probably were because they're those kind of guys who are able to pull stuff, something like that off particularly when you're kind of young and, you know, don't overthink things. Um, but I digress. He was on a long run and he needed to go. And, you know, he grabbed some leaves and he didn't notice it was poison ivy. And let's just say it took him several days before he was uh, running again. It's just not comfortable.
So I need to figure out how I'm going to approach this. Um, my goal is to keep my weight down fairly light so that I can, you know, on the, on the much lighter side of things, so I can hike far and not put unnecessary pressure on my knees. Um, and I, and I want to minimize or eliminate the need of uh, toilet paper on the trail. Fortunately, some of the areas I'm going to be going through uh, will also have bathrooms along the trail periodically. I can, you know, utilize those, but I'll have to wrap my mind around how this, how to practice this a little bit without freaking out the neighbors in the backyard. Just kidding, especially to my wife, who may be listening to this. I don't think she'll let me do that anyway. I think. The last issue I wanted to discuss today is what to do if your feet get macerated on the trail. What I mean by that is when your shoes and feet get soaking wet and they're unable to get dry. A part of this um, is a product of uh, the kinds of shoes one wears. There are a number of shoes out there that say they're, they have Gore-Tex and are considered waterproof. I think that these kinds of shoes have a place in the backpacking world, particularly if you're gonna hike in alpine environments that are exceptionally cold and you need some additional insulation. But that doesn't mean, these kinds of shoes do not mean that water will never get into the shoe. That's a marketing gimmick. What it means is if it's just damp outside, your feet won't automatically get wet. But once the shoe does get wet and the, and the waterproof barrier is breached, it's gonna stay wet because it's hard for the water to evaporate out of the shoe. What I agree with is there's a consensus of a lot of backpackers, especially those in the lightweight slash ultralight community, who don't believe in necessarily paying more for waterproof shoes or waterproof socks or waterproof anything else. I frankly believe in getting a good set of merino wool socks that fit well, along with a good pair of well-constructed hiking or trail running shoes uh, that will keep my feet warm even when they're wet. Uh, the benefit of the, this setup is that they will also dry out more quickly than anything with the label of waterproof. Uh, in air quotes, anyway. As I mentioned at the start of this episode last summer, I ended up with wet feet for most of the trip to the Adirondacks because of the wetness of the trail and the quote-unquote waterproof nature of my shoes. It meant that my socks were wet and that my feet were wet and stayed wet most of the time. Fortunately, I was able to mitigate these the potential problems that would arise from maceration because we are a large group of scouts who had a wide variety of hiking abilities meaning we didn't hike as far as we could have, so my feet had plenty of time to air out and dry. There's a number of different articles and a variety of good websites discussing this issue, but I'm going to rely on Skirka's article on this and link to it in the show notes. The problem with wet or macerated feet is that the outer layer of the skin becomes sore, itchy, and really soft, making it more prone towards blistering. The skin begins to crack after it dries out and natural oils are depleted and it can be painful and hard to treat if one's not careful. Uh, to minimize the effect of wet feet, I believe that the following is appropriate. First, as mentioned previously, wear non-waterproof shoes with well-fitting well merino wool socks. Like I said, these will get wet quicker, but will also dry out quick, more quickly and not retain as much water as something with more uh, cushioning or waterproofing. Second, take off the shoes and socks and let your feet air dry during a midday rest stop if it's going to be longer than 20 minutes. 
Third, have a set of warm and dry socks at night, giving your feet eight to nine hours of recovery time. Fourth, use and bring along a balm for your feet. Um, there's a variety of them, um, but I think stuff like the Joshua Tree Salve or the Badger Foot Balm, both of which have links in the show notes, um, are good ones. And there's a variety of other ones as well. Um, I mean, these things have really proliferated over the number over the past couple of years, and they'll help you keep your feet in good condition. And then finally, I remember watching a video, I think it was at a scout camp, about blisters. Um, there's a professional ultramarathoner who's well known for getting pedicures before his races in order to get the dead skin off of his feet and get them ready for the race. I've never gotten a pedicure before, but I've learned from, well, frankly, sad experience that doing these four things will help keep your feet in better condition. So I'd love to hear what folks do on the trail to keep themselves clean and to keep their feet from becoming macerated, if anything. There's probably a number of different ways to do so that I've not thought about and would welcome your feedback. Please feel free to give us a review, especially a five-star review if you, if you so desire, and let me know what you think of this show as well. I'll also keep working on the production side of this. Maybe next week we'll even figure out how to get intro and exit music to work. So until next week, so long, and we'll see you later.